love this whole thought of this sermon title, Greater. I looked it up. What does the word greater mean? Greater typically refers to something that is larger, more extensive, or superior in quality or quantity compared to another. Can I read that again? Greater typically refers to something that is larger, more extensive, or superior in quality or quantity compared to another. How about 2024 is going to be larger, more extensive, superior in quality or quantity compared to 23? Well, the reality is that as you go through a year, it's seasons. We have good days, bad days, up days, down days, mountaintops, valleys. Come on, we reflect on 23. Some are glad to get out of it. Some maybe wish they could have stayed in it because it was so good. It's seasons. Life is about seasons. And one of the things that my dad, when he would preach, he would often say these words, and I was reflecting on this recently. He would often say, I believe that something good is going to happen about the middle of next week. (laughs) Those of you that were around my dad, and he used to say that often. And then the next service he would get up and say, I believe that something good is going to happen about the middle of next week. It was a sense of expectation. Church, how would it be, Apex, if we had the mindset that we believed that because our God is greater that something good is going to happen about the middle of next week. And someone said to my dad one time after, Pastor, but what if nothing happens? He says, then I'm believing for the following week. And I'm believing for the following week. Because he had an expectation and a level of faith that God was going to move. And I really feel that God has been challenging me just as we've come into this new year, that in regard to greater, that I really highlight that sense of expectation because we can get so used to the same old that we can go through the motions and there's not even an expectation that something is going to happen it's like the old story I'm I'm not even sure what jokes you can tell nowadays you've got to be so careful so I'm just going to put it this way there were these three guys that were out working I'm not going to say they were a Scotsman Englishman an Irishman Uh, There were these three Eskimos, there were these three guys that were out working and and they stopped for their lunch and one opened his lunch box and took it out and he looked at it and he went, cheese sandwiches, sick of cheese sandwiches, cheese sandwiches in, cheese sandwiches out. I tell you what, there better be a change tomorrow or there's going to be trouble. The next one opened his lunch box, tuna sandwiches again, I'm fed up with tuna sandwiches. There better be a change. I tell you, I'm going home to it. And there better be a change. I'm going to tell my wife I want something different tomorrow. The third one opened his. Tomato sandwiches. Again, I'm fed up with this. There better be a change tomorrow. So the f- next day, they opened up the lunchbox. First one. Oh, here we go again. Cheese sandwiches. And he just threw it down in disgust. The second one opened his. And he looked and he went, tuna. And he just threw his lunchbox down in disgust. The third guy, he didn't even open his lunchbox, he just threw it down. And he says, tomato sandwiches again. And they went, you didn't even open your lunchbox, how do you know it's tomato sandwiches? He says, because I made them myself. (laughs) 
And sometimes in life, come on church, we're looking for change, but the change is going to start with us. Um, we're looking for external sources or external circumstances to bring about the change. And, and sometimes the problem with the tomato sandwiches is we're getting the same thing over and over again because we're approaching life or dealing with life or handling life the same way over and over again. Uh, what I used to love about Christmas when uh, our boys were younger, uh, I'll be careful how I phrase this, I think all the kids are out, aren't they? I, I used to love, isn't there that part where your kids are a certain age, so you're safe enough with the gifts, are you following me? You don't really have to hide them, the kids aren't really aware of what is going on, but then you hit a certain age, don't you, or your kids hit a certain age where it becomes hide and seek, and you have got to become very creative in hiding the presents so that they cannot find them. I mean, how many people in this room have been up late on the 24th putting things together, whether that's bikes or whatever? Come on, hiding stuff in the garage, up in the attic, wherever. Come on, we, we all have those places that we would hide things. Here's the amazing thing. Those gifts were there the whole time. It's just that the kids hadn't discovered them yet. And I really believe that God is saying to us here at Apex Church that he has some incredible things for us. They're there the whole time, but God is just waiting for us to go and desire and reach and stretch and move to where they are. God's challenging me in this area of being intentional. Intentionality, to be deliberate in our actions Something done with purpose. The Bible says if you want friends, you've got to be friendly. Train up a child in the way they should go, and when they're old, they will not depart. It's got to do with intentionality. So Psalm 100, if you would turn there, please. I was reading this, and I really felt God challenging me again. This is nothing new. This is just how God's been working in my heart. Psalm 100, we read these words. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us. We are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues throughout all generations. And it was that verse four that you're very familiar with. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. And as I was praying, I really felt God begin to challenge me just as we were coming into the new year and I was just setting myself aside and asking God for guidance and direction. I really felt God challenge me and says, what are you going to enter 2024 with? Because you all realize that we have a choice. We can take some of the stuff from 23 into 24, and we can take negativity. We can take doubt. We can take disappointment. We can take disillusionment. We can take upset. We can take anger. We can take unforgiveness. We can all take that into the year, and it's just a carry-on. Or we can decide that going into 24, that I'm going to enter his gates with thanksgiving, and I'm going to come into his courts with praise. 
in spite of all that negative stuff that's going on, I'm going to deal with the positive stuff, and I'm going to look at what God has done in my life. I'm going to come with thanksgiving. I'm going to come with a thankful heart. I'm going to recognize that I'm thankful that I'm still here. I'm thankful that I have food on the table. I'm thankful for health and strength. I'm thankful for family. I'm thank you, thankful for the blessing of friends. I'm thankful this morning that I've been forgiven. Amen. Come on, church. That I, I'm on my way to heaven. Don't know about you. I'm thankful that God loves me, that God has a plan for my life. I'm thankful that God's providing for me. If gratitude is our song, then praise will be the result. So if we could get to that place in our hearts of thankfulness, that we make a decision that whatever is happening in our world, and let's be honest, there's always stuff happening, but one of the paramount priority of our life is going to be this, that I am going to make sure that in 24 that I have a thankful heart. Even, even when I don't feel like it, even when circumstances don't seem to dictate it, I am going to be thankful. I'm thankful for this wonderful church. I'm thankful for God has provided this blessing. I'm looking around, the place is full, it's wonderful to see. I'm thankful that this is not the end, that God has much more for us. I'm thankful that even though I will stumble at times in 24, that God's got me covered. I'm thankful that I may not know all the answers, but God has got all the answers. I am going to make sure that in 24, that my song is going to be a song of praise, of thanksgiving, of declaration. That's why when Deborah was leading us this morning, I don't know about you, but my heart was just stirred. See, when we sang, How Great Is Our God? Oh, I'm, I'm on that front row, and I, I just wanted to shout, he's greater than Muhammad, he's greater than Buddha, he's greater than Confucius, he's greater than the woke society, my God is greater, come on, you don't get better than that, uh, I, and, and I did, I, I just wanted, I wanted to, I think I did at some point, I just wanted to shout out, my God is greater, there is none superior to our God, and the the problem with many of us is that we get our eyes on other things, other circumstances, other challenges, and we don't get our eyes in God. If God has been faithful in the past, he can do it again. How you enter will impact your experience. Story that Eddie Bonnet, one of Eddie Bonnet's favorite stories, fellow in a support group for months is praying at the prayer meeting about a personal problem. Every single time they gathered, oh God, would you remove the cobwebs from my life? Oh God, would you move, remove the cobwebs from my life? Every single prayer meeting, eventually one of the old ladies in the prayer meeting couldn't handle it anymore and says, God, would you kill that spider? Just kill the spider. And sometimes in life, we're praying about the cobwebs when we should be saying, let's deal with it. Come on, church. God, kill the spider. Anyone here that would just like to see some spiders killed in 24? Come on. Things that are lingering, things that are around, things that are trying to cling on to you, things that are trying to uh, deflect you. Come on, God, just kill that spider. I tell you, we don't need New Year's resolutions I think we preached a sermon on this one time, didn't we, sermon series? We need New Year's solutions. 
We don't need those cobwebs removed. We need the spider dealt with. Anyone got any spiders in your life that you just like, okay, that's three of you being honest, the rest of you, all right. So here's, here's a couple of things that I'm earnestly praying about. I know I won't get through all this. Uh, forgive me, but I, I've, I've really been asking God to give me greater clarity in 24. I want to know clearly for my life, God's will, God's plan, God's direction. I'm praying it as a local church, but I'm praying it for us as well. I was rereading that story again from Mark chapter 2 about some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it, and then they lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. I preached on that many, many times, and I was really just challenged again just, just last week. As I thought about the fact that Jesus is back in Capernaum, noises spread around that Jesus is back in town. They all are gathered in a house. There's such a great crowd because there is expectation that miracles are going to happen. I want to say that again then. There's expectation that miracles are going to happen. The Bible says that the place is packed. You can't get in there. Everyone who is someone is in the house. Four men come carrying their friend because they want to get their friend to Jesus. You know the story. They can't get into the roof, the house because of the crowd. So what do they do? They go up to the roof and they start ripping the roof and they lower their friend down in a mat. Jesus looks at what is happening and says, your faith has made you well. Isn't that an incredible story? I, I love this because I've been thinking about this a lot and this is where God is challenging me about clarity. Think about this. Their purpose was never to get their friend in the house. Their purpose was to get their friend to Jesus. Because when we read that, we think about the, the door, the crowd. They could not get him because of the crowd. We, we think of this. So we get caught up in the, they can't get into the house, so they go through the roof. Listen, the purpose is not to get through the door or the window or the roof. There's one purpose these four men have. We've got to get our friend to Jesus because if we can get our friend to Jesus, a miracle can happen. I began to get excited about that, and, and please excuse me, because I began to think, what would happen in Apex Church? What would happen in your world? What would happen in your family if you suddenly got this clarity of thought that there were people in your world that you just wanted to get to Jesus? Quick question. How many people in this room have unsaved loved ones, family, friends, prodigal sons? Just wave at me. Wave, wave real, real. Just thank you. You can put your hand down. Would, wouldn't it be wonderful if this year, if we could be solely focused on one thing, I'm going to get my friends to Jesus. Not I need to get them to church. I've got to get them to Jesus. Because I've discovered if we can get people to Jesus, you'll get them to church. So here's what we think. We've got to get them to church. We've got to get them through the door. The door is traditional man-made. Sometimes we look at life and we think that the only way that we can approach the gospel or tell people about Jesus is the traditional way. I think that here in Apex Church, 
that we have displayed that there are many ways that you can proclaim the good news of Jesus that is not necessarily a Sunday morning experience, but the whole purpose is this. We want to connect people that are going to a lost eternity. We want to connect them to the fact that they can find what it is to have eternal life. I am determined this year that I don't want to go to heaven alone. I want, come on church, come on church. I'm not going to heaven alone. I have some loved ones in my family. I have some prodigals in my family. They just don't know it yet, but they're going to come back to Jesus. In their mind, they're doing their own thing. In their mind, they're living their life. In their mind, they think that it's fine. But I tell you what, in the plan and purpose of God, I have determined that they are going to know the love, the power, the mercy, the grace, the forgiveness of what it means to be living for God. And I am intentional. I'm intentional about this. I'm praying for them. I'm believing for them. They don't even know it. Every single day, I pray, God, move on their life. Whatever it's going to take, we need them back to Jesus. Oh, I know that, that in early years they, they served you with all their heart, but they're wayward, they're cold in heart, whatever expression you want to use. Uh, uh, but Lord, I want to see them on fire for you again. Can I say that again? I want to see them on fire for you again. Not just attending church, not just being part of church, but on fire with the plan and will of God. I'm going to get them to Jesus, and I'm going to do whatever it takes as long as it's legal. I'm going to do whatever it takes to, in my part, to seek God, to seek his will, to understand, to be led by him, to be guided by him, to encourage them to come along to church. I'm asking God to give me creative ideas. What, what, what is it going to take, God? What, God, you can, you, can give me, you can give me an idea. You, you can put something in my heart. You can put something in my spirit. You can give me the right words. You can give me the right opportunity that, Lord, that I can present to them that then I can bring. Notice this. Friends brought their friend to Jesus. When they could not get in through the door, they went up on the roof. I, I've preached on this many times. I, I call this roof-ripping faith. Roof-ripping faith. Roof-ripping faith means it's going to get messy. It's like mega kids. It gets messy. Things happen. Tiles get messed up. Tiles get replaced. Things happen. It gets messy. But in the midst of the messiness, kids encounter Jesus. What is God saying to you? How is he speaking to your heart? Because maybe God is saying to you that it's about time that you were not paralyzed by circumstance, but inspired by possibilities. You see, from my mind, friendship is the gateway to the kingdom. And sometimes for many of us, even in this room, lack of faith can be the result of failing to notice the needs that are around us. All around us, even in this hall today, there are people that don't know Jesus and our prayer is that by the end of this service that they come to know him. Jesus declared when he stood up, he says, he did not say, I think the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He did not say, I hope the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Jesus stood up with total clarity and said, the spirit 
of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captive, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Jesus had total clarity of the call and purpose of God that was on his life. And if we are believing for greater, can it start in our families? Can it start in our homes? Can it start in, in us? Can we believe? Can we have an expectation that he will do greater? And if we're going to do that, one of the things that I really feel that God is challenging me on is the area of courage. Now, some of you may say, courage, you're as bold as... Anyway, courage. You see, I think we can be faithful, faith-filled or fearful. You know, when you look at the story in Numbers chapter 13, when the spies are sent out to check out the land, you know that story? When there's go check out the land that God has for you, uh, 10 come back with a negative report, 2 come back with a, a good report. And it's so intriguing when you study that because we see that God has delivered the children of Israel. He's delivered them from Egypt. They've crossed the Red Sea. He's protected them from enemies, and they've been guided by God. And now they're on the brink of the promise of God. They're about to enter. They've been in this wilderness. They're about to enter the promise of God. And God says, go and see the land I'm going to give you, not the land that you need to even fight. It's yours. Just go and check it out. They're on the brink of something incredible, but they missed the moment because of their smallness of thinking and smallness of mind. I don't want to miss in 24 what God has for me because of limited thinking, small thinking, negative thinking. Oh, I don't think I can thinking. I want to come into 24, not restricted even by what other people would try to put on me, but believing that what God has hidden for me is going to be revealed that I may walk in his purpose and his will. Spies are sent out to check out the land. Go and see if the land is good or bad. Go and see if the people are strong or weak. Are they few or are they many? Are the towns walled or fortified? You know the story. They see the honey, they see the milk, they see the grapes, and they also see the giants. They allowed, listen to this, they allowed what they saw to affect what God had said. God said, the land is yours. They saw the giants and they allowed that to diminish in their heart, in their spirit, what God had already said. They allowed the visual of the giants to dilute the purpose, plan, and will of God. Ignoring the giants was not what made the report good or evil. It was whether they were going to be giant conscious or God conscious. And I wonder in 24, are you God conscious or are you giant conscious? What do I mean by that? Are you looking at circumstance? Are you looking at situation? Are you looking at your current world? And are you allowing it to dictate the narrative of what is happening in your world? Or are you going to God's word 
and listening to what God is saying and obeying what God is saying and being directed by him. And this is why we need to stir up our testimony this morning. Look what the Lord has done. Remember we used to sing that chorus, look what the Lord has done. How, how many in this room can testify of God's moving in your life in the past? Just, just wait with me. You've seen the faith, thank you. You've seen the faithfulness of God. You've seen the outworking of God. I was thinking about this this morning. I, I don't know why. Uh, when I was a little boy, I've told you this story before. When I was a little boy, uh, I was sitting in the front seat of the car. We were driving in the States. My mom was sitting behind me, and she leant forward, and she just rubbed my neck, and she says, Neil, what's that on your neck? And uh, I wasn't aware of anything, but unbeknown to me, there was a growth that was forming on my neck. So mom and dad, they took me to the doctors, the specialists. They checked me out, and the doctor said to mom and dad, listen, you better get this boy home. He needs serious treatment. Uh, He is very ill. He's very sick. There's a tumor that is developing on his neck. I was just little, so I wasn't really aware of what was going on. But I knew that something was happening because mom decided that she was going to pray faithfully for me every night because whose report are you going to believe, circumstance or God? So what mom would do is three or four times during the night, I was aware that mom was anointing me with oil. Now here's what was intriguing. She didn't have any of this fancy anointing oil, so she actually just used cooking oil. I'm really white. That's why I'm so brown, actually. (laughs) Several, I see you, Louise Moore. Several, several times during the, she would, why? Because she was determined, she had clarity, and she had courage. Whose report will you believe? Is it giants, or is it God? And I would hear my old mother pray every night, dear Lord Jesus, This child was given to us by you. This child was not given that he would die. He shall live. So, Lord, I anoint him with this oil, cooking oil. Listen, when it comes to God, it doesn't matter if it's cooking oil, (laughs) olive oil, fancy oil. All we need to realize is there is power. Come on, church. I want to stir you this morning. Because we, we, we pray, sometimes we pray for the sick and we don't even believe something's going to happen. My mom prayed for me. I believe that that boy is going to be healed. You are going to use him to your glory. He is going to grow up to be a man of God. And she would anoint me with oil and I would fall asleep. And then a few hours later, dear Lord Jesus, I'm praying for this boy. He's your child. Mom, let me sleep. He, he's going to grow. A few hours later, you know what? Because she was a woman and a mother that was on a mission that she knew what the giants were saying but she knew what God had said and she prayed and believed and it was only a few short months that we went back and we had blood tests and the doctor said I don't understand what is happening but that growth is beginning to diminish in size something has happened in that boy's life I'll tell you what happened it was the power of God working within me to bring healing Oh, church, are we focused on the giants or are we focused on God? Listen to what they said. Oh, we are not able. The worst words that you can hear in church life. We are not able. They had grasshopper mentality. Small thinking. 
limited thinking. We cannot overtake them. We cannot beat them. We can't be victorious. Even though God had said, wait a minute, I, I delivered you from Egypt. You were a slave in Egypt. I set you free. I've taken you to this place of victory and, and you're allowing what you see to minimize what I am saying. And for many of you in this room, I really felt God challenging me in this point just as the band comes. I really felt God challenging me to challenge you. Some of us are thinking too small. You're lim we're limited in our thinking. In 24, let's be big thinkers. Let's see possibilities. Let's see challenge. We're believing for Alpha and great things to happen. Hey, let's believe more people in, into Alpha than ever before. For, for, our, for mega kids, for, for youth, for Apex kids, all these ministries. Can we believe for bigger than before? Can you dare to believe that the expectation and limitations of your mind can be removed because you stir yourself up with past victory and past testimony of what God has done. If we could be so focused, we're going to get people to Jesus and God is going to give us the courage to get beyond our smallness of limitation. And can I say this? Not only the limitations we put on ourselves, but the limitations that other people try to put on us. God, if we're believing for the greater, give me clarity and give me courage. Give me the strength to honor you and declare your purposes. Because I believe that in this year that God is going to open doors, that we're going to go into uh, arenas, we're going to go into uh, offices, we're going to go into workplaces where people need Jesus, where people need Jesus. Think about this right now. People are going to lost eternity. No hope. But we believe that God is the answer. Then what are we going to do about it? Are we going to keep this good news inside the house? Or are we going to say, God, if I've got to rip a roof, I'll rip a roof. Lord, if I need to make a new window, I'll make a new window. Father, if I need to make that door bigger, I'll make that door bigger. Lord, I, I don't know. Lord, you just speak to me. You just inspire me. Because I just need to get people to Jesus. And Father, I need the courage to do that. So as we pray in this moment, I wonder if God is challenging your heart. I'm challenged, I've challenged myself. I wonder if God is challenging your heart. What's your greater? What's the limitation that needs to be removed? Perhaps from your mind, perhaps from your hands. Where is it that you've been hemmed in? That you've been made to feel that You've hit your ceiling. Where is it, my friend? Daniel spoke last week about the house of prophets and the, those that went out to, to build a bigger place, make space. And of course, the axe head came off. And there's that great line, isn't it, where the prophet says, where did you lose it? Where did you lose it? Hey, maybe this is a better challenge to someone in this room. Maybe once you ran and now you're limping and, and you're aware that, that there's in essence something lost. I'm not referring to salvation. But maybe focus, 
maybe desire, maybe enthusiasm. Come on, maybe you've just lost something. Where did you lose it? You see, there had to be acknowledgement of where it was lost. And then the prophet, of course, threw in the stick and the axe head came to the surface. Where did you lose it? Friend, you're here, you love Jesus, but you know that, that something's missing. Where did you lose it? Something said, something happened, circumstance. I could go on and on. We're not here to dwell on that. We're here to focus on this, that you can find it again. You can find your purpose. You can find your joy. You can find your zeal, energy, strength, run again. Oh, come on, in 24, that God would just speak to us clearly and give us the courage, give us the courage. But maybe you're here and you don't know Jesus. You don't have a relationship with him. Your life is not right before God. You're cold in heart and you would say, Neil, I want to give my heart to Jesus. I, I want to respond to the love of God. I, I need to know that I'm at peace with him. I need to know that my sins are forgiven. My life is not right with God. I want to give my heart to Jesus. Would you just lift your hand, put it down again. I'll pray for you. Believe in God to move in this place. May you be challenged by the word. Anyone in this room. Come on, anyone in this room, you need Jesus, you need Jesus. All right, come on, everyone stand to your feet. Dear Lord Jesus, I pray in this moment that you would challenge hearts as we declare your greatness, that Lord, that you would cause us to get clarity. Who is the one? Where is the one? How do we get people to Jesus? Stir us up as a church. Help us, Lord, to get that focus again. Lord, that we won't be distracted, that we'll run well and we'll run strong. Father, give us courage. Father, would you help us, Lord? We, we know we're weak, but in you we are strong. Lord, help us to get 20-20 vision of what you would have us do. Father, we truly are believing that greater things still lie ahead. More souls saved. People added to the church. People into the kingdom of God and into ministry. Loving you, serving you, declaring your goodness. Father, we will enter this year with a sense of expectation, knowing that you're a great God.